getting to graps with. Howdy. Hey, man. Sorry I'm late. Now it's cool. How have you been doing? Uh, it's this week has been emotional. My steam it's been emotional. <laughs> it's been emotional. Um, I had a problem with a game on Steam, and I looked online. It was like, oh, delete the cache. And I was like, oh, okay, that's easy. I deleted that, and then Steam was like, oh, you have to reboot the app to complete this process. I was like, fine. And then it logged me out wouldn't let me back in and i was like oh no did all this stuff and i had to delete steam and it ended up deleting every game off my pc oh god <laughs> how many gigs was that uh a few hundred so i'm going through and downloading all the games again um yeah are all your safe, safe games gone or are they stored in the cloud some of them are stored in the cloud others aren't but the ones that aren't i just Generally, like I don't really care. Like all the Tomb Raider games, I that's fine. I can just play those from the beginning again. Um, all the games that are important, like that you'd want in the cloud, are in the cloud. Like the Master Chief Collection and uh, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, how about you? Um, nothing as dramatic as that. <laughs> uh, what's happened this week? Oh, I, I. Speaking of games, I finished Rise of Tomb Raider. Oh, yeah. What do you think? Uh, it was good for, like, the first couple of hours, but, like, yeah. gameplay just got repetitive after that. The shooting got repetitive. Do you find that it's just you feel like you're just... Uh, so it's not like the old Tomb Raiders where you're a badass and you could climb up stuff and things. It's like you'd go to climb up something, something would break, you'd yeah. fall. Yeah, and then there's a quick time event to grab the thing, and then... You'd fail anyway, and yeah, yeah, you just get the crap beaten out of you in that game over and over. And over. Yeah, it, it, you don't really feel like a badass, do you? No, you feel like, um, yeah, you're just taking a beating constantly. Like, how is she still alive by the end of this? She's like uh, thrown off mountains uh, okay. and like shot constantly. Yeah, like I'm like pretty a, sure a ninety-five pound girl, and she's somehow <laughs> surviving full-on shotgun blasts to the chest. Well, like oh, well, anyone, I'll, yeah. Like I'll just I wrap think... this bit of leaf around my arm and oh, I'm all better now. Is that the one where she's like climbing a tree and the tree collapses and she falls in snow and then that causes an avalanche, so she falls off a cliff? Yeah. And I was like, like how did you survive that? Uh yeah. There's the newer Tomb Raider game aren't as fun as say like the Uncharted games. They're way more fun. Yeah, I as soon as like you start noticing the gameplay loop and mm -hmm. start doing stuff again and again and again like my patience i have so little patience with video games these days yeah remember remember i was playing red dead redemption yep i rage quit that because i couldn't catch a fish <laughs> you can't advance the story unless you do this one mission where you help this little kid in your camp catch a fish and for the life of me i couldn't do it so that's it that's the whole game I had that problem with Sonic Adventure because in that game you had to do six different character storylines. Each one had their own unique gameplay aspect, and one of them is fishing. For some reason, to face the final boss of this Sonic the Hedgehog game, <laughs> you need to catch a frog that's in a swimming pool. And I was like, I'm out. I'm not going to play this. Yeah. There's just too many games, and like, if something's not holding your attention, it's like with, with books and TV series and movies with me, like there's just so much media about nowadays that if something's not 
holding my attention. I have very little patience for it to get back on track before I say, nope, there's something else I want to play or watch or read. Yeah, which I'm curious as to, like, if that, I'm wondering, is that why I'm just sticking to games that I know I'm enjoying at the moment? Like, I'm playing through the Master Chief collection, yeah. which is just, like, remasters of all the Halo games, and I'm like, am I doing that because I enjoy it or because it's, like, a safe option? Yeah, it's, um, com like, comfort food for the gamer in you. Um... Yeah, but I do play new games every now and then, like Dead by Daylight. I'm enjoying a lot. I don't oh. know if you've played that. Yeah, yeah, you told me about it the other yeah. week. It's like yeah, the um, slasher monster simulator. Pretty much, yeah. It's fun to play with friends. Yeah. Uh, you watched any wrestling? Um, I watched clips of Dynamite this week. Oh, we yes. didn't, we didn't talk about that uh, last week, did we? The Forbidden Door has been obliterated smashed open yeah so much so that new japan pro wrestling has aew match on their streaming service Ooh. i was on it yesterday to watch a show from like a week ago i was like oh they have dynamite match now that is bizarre and fantastic and exciting it's very exciting because i don't know but think there's maybe a british promotion that has close links to new japan as well it's almost like this is uh <laughs> spreading across the world i know if only we like knew a promotion like that or possibly trained with one mm. oh weird. well oh well never gonna do it um you watched the documentary though didn't you oh yes uh that was the other thing uh you cannot kill david arquette and uh, could you you know what that lad, uh, he's he's tough as hell. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you heard about that uh, death match he had where he essentially cut his throat open. Uh, I didn't know he cut his throat open. I knew he did a death match and didn't his opponent take some liberties? Yeah, I mean, it's not like to the point of the New Jack mass transit incident. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I think the guy was definitely like, oh, I'll show this celebrity. What it means like to be like you know one of those guys who needs to, feels the need to prove wrestling is tough and i think he yeah. felt threatened by the documentary like they were mocking wrestling um very similar to uh did you ever watch that louis Farou documentary oh yeah wrestling yeah. yeah and uh sarge and that treated louis Farou like crap and god that documentary yeah. was just terrible we need to prove whole. that wrestlers are tough, so we're going to make this person who, yeah, go through it. Yeah. yeah. Which um, you don't need to do because wrestling is tough. Just show it as it is. Yeah. It's hard enough as it is. Go on. So, yeah. Um, That's sort it, of like infamous in our wrestling school, isn't it? Like it was talked about like pretty much weekly at a point where it's like you need to make sure you watch this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That is, I'm, I can't remember the first time I watched that, but it's just one of those things that's in the wrestling consciousness now. Yeah, Except I mean, for American fans, I think. British wrestling fans will know of it. But I'm not sure how much American wrestling fans are aware of that documentary. Honestly, I I, I don't think Louis Farouk was like taking it seriously either. Like he, I, I I get the script. like people enjoy his documentary, yes. but I always feel like he's talking down at the person he's like uh interviewing or he's Deliberately playing the fool, like yes, no, he, Stu clearly researched 
I, I would have hoped you researched this particular topic before you came in. Uh, he no, is continue. playing naive yes. to try lower the guard of those people that he's interviewing. And he has admitted to this, like it's something he does. Oh, okay. Um, and it works with a lot of people, but I think with wrestling being the way it is, like people try to read into all those kind of things. Yeah. Um, especially like then in the 90s, especially WCW, like everything was double swerves and that. So when someone comes in and is interviewing, they're immediately going to think, what's this guy's agenda? Yeah, yeah. I think if it was anyone, WCW wouldn't would have done what they did to them, what they did to Louis Theroux. Because that place sounds insane. I still need to read the Death of WCW book. Oh, it's it's a great, it's kind of a little bit smarky, but they're like, oh, if only they'd pushed Chris Benoit, that would have saved WCW. Oh. <laughs> like they they very enthusiastic about like technical wrestling and um, yeah all that but it's it's still a very enjoyable read and just some of the stuff that WCWs did just throwing money down the toilet over and over again it's crazy it is insane that promotion lasted as long as it did with who was writing it but yeah and it's weird how like a whole promotion was shut down by one person wasn't it essentially but that's kind of what happened with uh, world of sport wasn't it they got what happened to world of sport i think world of sport was they had someone else in charge of the program who didn't wasn't a big fan of the wrestling so they just moved it and then oh, that yeah, ended up it used to be on that. a time slot on a, i think it was sunday or something yeah yeah it was on a like prime time slot and then uh whoever it was in charge of bbc television or whatever it was at the time itv i can't remember who but yeah, they had a new person in charge who wasn't a fan, and they're like, oh, I don't get this wrestling thing. So, despite it doing amazing, I'm going to move it, yeah. which is kind of what happened with WCW, wasn't it? This person took over and was like, I'm not a fan of this want, wrestling. Yeah, I don't want wrestling on the network anymore. And that's pretty much the end of it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. the um, David Arquette documentary um, still kind of feels like a bit Louis Farouk, like, hey, look at this wacky guy, David Arquette. He's crazy. And okay. you kind of realize he does actually have some quite serious uh, mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's like a former alcoholic as well. So yeah. you do kind of feel like it's taking advantage of that a little bit. But towards the end, it gets better. And um, you see that he really does want to pay his dues. Like he's not coming in there with an ego or anything. Um, he goes to Mexico to train and... Um, I didn't realize this was a thing, but apparently uh, Highway um, Lucha Libre is a thing. Have you heard of this? Yes, I have. Vice did a thing on it. Like this, in, like, uh, you know, when uh, the cliche of, you know, you're in America and you stop at the traffic lights and a bum comes along and tries to wash your, wash your windscreen and ask yeah. for money. And this is like the Mexico variant is they do Lucha Libre spots in front of your cars and yes. then they go around like, a basket asking for donations which is uh awesome yeah they they go to like big intersections where the traffic lights take a long while to change and they'll do like full-on opening high spots yeah. with lucha libre moves and then yeah they afterwards collect money it's yeah it's bizarre but it's really cool at the same time yeah i think vice was it yes i think there's a show called the wrestler by vice yeah which is sort of overlooked uh as opposed to the uh, dark side of the ring 
Mm. They do a series called The Wrestler where they focus on wrestling in different countries and different aspects. So they did like an episode on Joshi Pro Wrestling. They did one on all that sort of stuff. And they did one on Lucha Libre, all the uh, minor Lucha Libre things. And that was in there. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a really good show, which people often go, oh, Dark Side of the Ring, blah, blah, blah. But no, The Wrestler is awesome. I think they did something with Kenny Omega as well for an episode. Yeah, I won't say that. They did something. Um, uh, yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah. Um, uh, we, God, we could do an entire episode on, on documentaries, couldn't we? There's been so many good ones out now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you talking about uh, celebrities and wrestling with David Arquette. Have you heard the new celebrity that wants to get into pro wrestling? Well, not even pro wrestling. The new celebrity that wants to get signed by WWE. Um, this wasn't wouldn't be Bad Bunny, would it? Who I've never heard of until they no, appeared no on clue Friday. who that is. I don't know. Um, <laughs> British celebrity. That wants oh, to- uh, was it boxer. Um, yes, I can't remember Anthony his name. Joshua. Anthony Joshua. He wants to get signed by WWE, which when I hear that, uh, you know, um, there was a term I heard. I was watching, uh, I don't know if I've mentioned it, I was watching a program called Developmentally Speaking, which is Brian Myers interviewing people who used to be in developmental. And uh, he was talking about this phrase used in developmental called brothers and others, which are people you encounter in developmental. And you've got the brothers who are the guys who are there because they love pro wrestling. And then you've got the others who are guys who get into pro wrestling because they want to be famous. Mm. And whenever you hear stories like X, well, not X, like current celebrity wants to be signed to WWE, part of me wonders, are they a brother or are they an other? Yeah. Are they doing this because they want to be a celebrity or are they interested in this because they love pro wrestling? And David Arquette seems like the kind of person he loves pro wrestling. Yeah. And then you get some like, I don't know, who are just like, I want to be famous in WWE's an easy way. And it's cool because it's fake fighting and it's like acting, but you don't, yeah. So when I saw that, I was like, which one's he going to be? Yeah, it's like uh, they had uh, Cain Velasquez come in and and wrestle Brock Lesnar. Like, God knows how much that cost him. And Cain Velasquez was like, yeah, this is in my blood. I've always wanted to do this. Yeah, he has one match and then disappears and takes a huge paycheck away from it. <laughs> yeah, um, even uh, Ronda, Ronda Rousey's done that to an extent. I mean, she was there, you know, more frequently, and but then she yeah, but like, like she took main she, events and and left. Yeah, but she's like one of those fans. She went to like a bunch of indie shows. Like you can see her in PWG shows. Oh, really? Yeah, she's like in front row for a bunch of them. Oh, okay. uh, she awesome. chopped someone for Johnny Gargano in a match. Yeah, those four horsewomen were usually front row at shows. It's weird because there's actors from like Modern Family at those as well. <laughs> yeah, because that's like California, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it became quite fashionable. I think I yeah. Some, uh, um, actors from Community in there as well. Yeah. Uh, who wasn't there? Someone else who wrestled on that same show as Kane Velasquez, wrestled Braun Strowman and yeah, just got uh, up after his finish. Tyson Fury. Yeah, yeah. Another one who was like, yeah, man, this is what, oh, I've always dreamt of doing this. Like, okay, cool. So go and train with an independent promotion for a few years. Yeah, right. But then in that same situation, would you, if WWE like, we'll pay you one million pounds to do this one match? Oh, very. No, I wouldn't say it now. But at the yeah. same time, if you're going to do that, don't say it's something you've always wanted to do when it really isn't. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, 
uh, don't say yeah i get that don't say things like that if you don't mean it sort of thing but you do see some people like that at training as well like even with rev pro it's like you're here because you want to be famous not really because you love pro wrestling oh yeah oh yeah yeah um but um they tend not to last very long no no as soon as something comes up that's difficult they're like oh um this is harder than i thought okay i'm out but we're not here to bitch and moan <laughs> after we're here for the 20 minutes of bitching and moaning we're not here to bitch and moan yeah yeah no no we'd like there's a lot of good in wrestling yes and we're gonna talk about it today because yeah. our topic is something you've been wanting to do for cover for a while well it was a question in our q a episode oh yeah yeah it was yeah by ewan i want to say yes i believe so yeah so hello thank you for listening this is for you Yes, we're going to talk about wrestling seminars today mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and also just our general experiences with, um, what would you say, the elite, the top of the business? Um, yeah, like those who have made it offering advice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something which, you know, is, it is important like that people who have made it pass on what they know um to help you know, like i remember there's a story about rick flair having a match with someone i can't remember who but rick flair would just tell this person what to do here and there mm. and they would have matches and when they wrestled rick flair they were fantastic but anyone else they weren't that good and it was because rick flair was telling them what to do not why they should be doing it mm. and i think there's a lot to that like you can teach someone oh this is what you should do this is what you should do but like it's when you talk to those people that tell you why you're doing certain things that you learn a lot. Um, I feel like, the, yeah, we should, we're going to be talking about those times where we've learned these things. Yeah. So can you remember your, your first uh, opportunity to do a seminar? Yes. Uh, well, so the first time I trained, I stopped after like a couple of weeks. And the week after I stopped, I believe, was the Fergal Devitt seminar and I felt so bad but so uh I was determined that when I would come back I'd make every seminar that I could yeah I think the first one I did attend was Mel Sanders and Steve Gray which um if you don't know who they are uh they were I believe Mel Sanders was a light heavyweight in world of sport and no sorry Steve Gray was that and Mel Sanders I believe was a heavyweight so you've got two different styles of British wrestling right there. And that was like the first time I feel like. Um, so when you get into professional wrestling, like you have, I don't know about you, but I blank when people are like, what moves do you do? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I feel like with Mouse Anderson's TBA, that was the first time I was learning stuff where it's like, oh, no one is doing this. I could be doing this and then that would make me somewhat unique. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like just simple things like a headbutt to the gut rather than kicking someone in the gut. Like as different as simple as that is, like that is something that will make you stand out as opposed to every other wrestler. Um, and that was just fantastic. Like Mal Sanders would take half the class into one ring and Steve Gray took half the class into the other and then we'd swap halfway through and we'd each go over different stuff and I remember it was, um, yeah, I still have a video of it. I paired with Ivan 
and we went over just a simple spot but at the time it was the first time i felt like i was progressing as a wrestling student mm. and i was like this style of wrestling i love british wrestling and yeah they were just talking a lot about um their experiences because when they trained it was literally five days a week stuff Oof. and uh they were talking about like the only way you really get practice is by being in front of a crowd and things like that and i don't know it was just a fantastic experience um you've attended mouse centers and steve gray have you yes um i thought it was awesome how they always try trying to figure out like uh moves that they prefer to in the old timey way like um, <laughs> uh, like a monkey flip was a monkey cartwheel or something I can't oh uh they called a sunset flip a uh leg take some oh, i can't remember um yeah it's, yeah and a baseball slide wasn't a baseball slide it was a through leg yeah <laughs> i'm trying to remember now what was a sunset flip was it a double leg take takeover i thought it was called a monkey crawl or something or a monkey something monkey no monkey crawl, crawl is when you trip them up and you run across their back could be yeah um it was fantastic yeah i believe it was oh and a schoolboy wasn't a schoolboy it was a a single leg pin or something yeah it was fantastic i loved it yeah Um... um and simple things like an irish whip but you hold on to the hand and then as they run past you you sort of pull and um you they sort of take a flip bump oh yeah, yeah um yeah the first one we did was like just everything worked on the arm and they taught us seven things that you could do five to seven things you could do just with the left arm and it was like you know you could build a whole match on this oh yeah totally. so it was like you know you lock hands you twist you put your arm under their armpit and you lift them up and then you can slam them down while holding onto the hand. You could go through and you could do like a Northern Light suplex while still holding onto the hand. Yeah. You got that Irish whip where you still, yeah, it was just like, wow, I've learned five things here. I can make a whole match out of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so was that you? That, that was your first seminar. My first seminar was uh, Billy Gunn, I believe. What? Oh, yeah. You talked about this, I think, in the first episode. Yeah. Um, back when I was training with Varsity Pro Wrestling, uh, they had Billy Gunn out for uh, a couple of shows. And uh, he was gracious enough to do a seminar with us uh, for a couple of hours. And my God, that was nerve wracking because um, he's probably the biggest star I, I had met at that point. Yeah. So um, we all like got there early and we were just like warming up and we we're constantly like watching the door like, oh my God, Billy Gunn's going to be here. Oh my God, Billy <laughs> Gunn's going to be here. And oh, he walked through the door and he was huge. Like, yes, he really doesn't get over on television how like you don't think of him as a big guy, but he's, yeah, he's really tall. <laughs> and um, I believe, I think he'd just been... He'd either just been signed or just been released as uh, one of the trainers down in uh, WWE's developmental territory, wherever they were using it. Yes. At the time. I think it was Ohio Valley still. 
Um, mm -hmm. but I might be wrong. Um, so, so this was, yeah, sorry, Karen. He essentially gave us what he would give, you know, the WWE um, trainees, the ones mm -hmm. training at the de developmental um, system down there. He basically gave us a seminar that would be that or a portion of what they would do. Um, and how was that? Like, what did that consist of? It was different. It was brutal. Oh my God, it was so <laughs> brutal. Um, I can't remember half the drills he got us to go through. Um, I did write it down. Was it a lot of cardio though? So much cardio and ring conditioning, man. Like, lovely. Probably, yeah, I'd say probably the hardest training session I've had to do or want very close to the top, if not. Mm -hmm. um, I, I didn't write it down. Did but you yeah, feel was, like you learned something from it, though? I learned that my legs stopped working after, uh, like, I think we did, like, 100 bodyweight squats and then, and then immediately go into the ring, uh, go to the corners. You know, they all grab the uh, top rope in the corner mm -hmm. and high knees. Yeah. The high knees for like a minute straight and he would keep on you and on you don't stop don't stop don't stop and then um rolls immediately after that and then something else and then back into high knees and just yeah constant movement like that just absolutely brutalizing your legs and i remember like getting out of the ring and i had to lean up against like the side of the ring because i couldn't I literally couldn't stand for a good like two or three minutes. My legs were just absolutely short. <laughs> never since have my legs ever been that bad. But I was like, oh my God, I've still got to go for a full training session. How am I going to bump if I can't stand up? And you just let your legs go. <laughs> well, it's getting down the ground would be fine, but it's getting back up again. I don't think I could. But um, yeah, a couple of guys dropped out partway through that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, he really drilled into us like how hard they worked down in the wwe uh training facility so yeah um he definitely wanted to to demonstrate like you know that's the kind of thing the top athletes in the business go through as a mm -hmm. warm-up and it's killed you so you know this is the kind of level you need to be at yeah but other than that he was a lovely friendly guy um you took like questions for like half an hour at the end. And, uh, was okay. Overall, very, very, very pleasant. Did you do the Shibata seminar? I did not know. God, loads of guys did that. I remember seeing a picture. Yeah, so that was, uh, I think, a similar experience to the Billy Gunn thing where... Um, so we... He came in, and I don't know what we were expecting, but... He basically just said, we'll do what we do as the warm-up. Mm. And it was 300 squats followed by sit-ups, followed by neck bridges, followed by push-ups, wheelbarrow push-ups. So, like, one of you had to hold the other person's legs up while oh, they yeah, did push-ups. So like decline push-up, yeah. Yeah, and then you'd have to swap over immediately. I can't remember how many it was. I want to say 50, but it was brutal. And um, Shibata the whole time was there, and three of the LA Dojo students were there. Mm. 
So if any of you stopped at any point, uh, they were on you. Yeah. Did anybody quit halfway through? Uh, I went outside to throw up quickly because I was a fool and ate like an hour before. Um, I believe another person did. Um, Yeah, that was brutal. And then at the end of it, they were like, all right, that's what we do is the warm up. Now what we do is this, this, this. And we were like, oh, Oh. (laughs) Uh, and they did made us uh, same made us they showed us the um the new japan young lion rolling bumps oh yeah yeah and it was yeah that that was hard for me and to be fair they would they took their time with me and were like no we'll help you get this right and if you did it once they weren't like oh you've done it once it was like no we'd like to see you to do it two or three times to make sure you've got this and I appreciated that because it was like, we care that you're doing it right, not just you're ticking boxes. But that was brutal. And the fact that, you know, you like you say, your legs felt like jelly and they were like wobbling side to side. Yeah, yeah. And then immediately afterwards, I had to drive to London because we had York all next day. Oh, my goodness. And then the day after that was Royal Quest. And then the day after that was <laughs> Cockpit. Oh. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. So would you um, say that's the the hardest training training seminar you've you've done? E- yes. Or hard yeah. tra- hardest training session full stop. Hardest training session full stop. That was brutal. Um, I never did the ones. There was another guy used to come in from World of Sport that would just make you do cardio. I never did his, but I heard those were brutal as well. It's like um, I I don't understand that. I I get ring conditioning and everything, but at the same time. Do you really need a, a a wrestler to show you, you know, ring conditioning? You want them to show you actual yeah. stuff in the ring as well, like you're yeah, getting so half that... of the puzzle there. You see what I mean? Yeah, um, uh, I was fortunate that I think uh, someone told me they were like, "Look, this guy only does ring cardio," and I think people went there expecting world of sports stuff the first time. There was like twenty people, yeah. and they were like, "No, it's only cardio." And then the next time it was like three. <laughs> Um, so hopefully they learned from that. But <laughs> yeah, um, who's your first seminar with Rev Pro then? Uh, first seminar with Rev Pro would have been, I think that was the oh uh, Johnny Storm and Jody Flash. Oh, how was that? Um, and that was quite hard on the cardio and ring conditioning as well. They got us to do a drill with like loads of burpees and squats. Uh, I don't think it was the. I don't think it was the deck of cards workout, but it was like um. Uh, hundred Hindu squats, um, yeah. and then sets of 30, 20, 10 press ups, thirty, twenty, ten sit ups, and then immediately ten burpees, fifteen push ups, and like I don't know twenty Hindu squats, but. That wasn't the end of it. You did that continuously for like 15 minutes in a loop. You just tried to get as many <laughs> sets out as possible. Wasn't this before the Rumble show as well? Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. That was like the morning thing for that. And uh, yeah, that was another brutal one. But um, they also taught us some really cool like um, lucha chain wrestling, which I'd never done before. So that was cool. Mm-hmm. Like we did like a. Wheelbarrow waist locks countering into a victory roll where you roll through their legs and hold onto their feet. Um, like test of strength mon- monkey flips. Um, oh, yeah. 
and leapfrogs and stuff like that. So like, it's just little stuff that we hadn't done before at training at that point. That's cool. Uh, yeah, and they were again both really lovely guys and uh, took the time to answer any questions afterwards. Mm-hmm. Which is always, I always love that at the end of the seminar where they're like, oh, great, we've got 15 minutes for questions. And you just yes. get to pick, pick their brains for a little bit, which is always nice. Fun one for that was uh, Rhino. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, that's my, my favorite training seminar I've ever done, I think. Yeah, that was a fun one because he came to the training school and he was like, let's have a show. And he just wanted to watch wrestling. Yeah, and he, and he, he genuinely looked like he was enjoying himself. Throughout yeah. the entire thing, and the, oh, yeah, he he just like built a card based on who he saw, didn't he? Yeah, He's like, you're gonna work with you because I think that will be fun. You're gonna do a match with you because that'll be fun. Um, I think I had Dragon Emperor, I think, and he was just like, I think this will be a fun match, <laughs> and it was. Yeah, um, and it was like, I think we each had what five minutes, four minutes. Yeah, yeah, that was a really fun one, and. <laughs> So laid back, he made you feel so at ease as well. Like, honestly, probably the most wholesome guy I've met in wrestling so far, I think, maybe. Yeah, and he was just like, I remember he stood in the ring as we all did bumps, and afterwards we did them all, and he was like, all of you have been trained well, and you can tell you're all wrestlers because you all get up on your right-hand side. Yeah, yeah. And he made a joke about you could tell which people at the gym are wrestlers because when they're on their back, they get up on their right-hand side. (laughs) And then, yeah, he was just telling stories afterwards about uh, the time, was it Heath Ledger left his, not Heath Ledger, uh, Heath Slater left his wallet at a gas station. Yeah. Uh, and then he had to go all the way back and Brino agreed to to drive with him. Uh, yep. I remember uh, yeah. him telling a story about, uh, I think, Kevin Nash. Um, it was just like uh, when Kevin Nash was in WWE in mid 2006 2007 people are saying why is kevin nash here he's done his career's over like uh, he's got bum knee and like kevin nash is like yeah i've had messed up knees since i was like 21 Um, (laughs) and my career's been going fine since then so um yeah yeah um yeah just uh awesome road stories he told some road stories like about ecw as well i think yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of it was like his most recent um, SmackDown run, I think. Oh, yeah. I wish I'd asked him about his Ultimate X match against AJ Styles. Have you seen oh, that match? Yeah, the scaffold where it's like a cross. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and one of the spots was, I'm going to gore you while on this yeah. one foot long platform. In this. Yeah, I wish I'd asked him about that because he was awesome in that match. Yeah. And uh, oh, I remember AJ like hiding underneath the uh, the platform, like in the, in between the uh, like metal bits of the platform. Yes. And Rhino trying to figure out where he is. Yeah. Considering like you have so little to work with on that scaffold, they did a really really good job. Yeah, they had the cocky heel AJ Styles who was climbing the platform instantly, and then you had Rhino who was terrified of heights. Yeah. Willing to go out there just to beat AJ's ass, and then yeah. Good that story. was an awesome match. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah. He was but, just an awesome dude who was, like you say, just so chill and was like, ah, I like wrestling. Yeah. He genuinely like, looked like he was happy to be there, not like it was a chore for him at all. Yeah. I can't. What he want? 
yeah, I'm try- I can't think of any time specifically, but you hear those stories about guys who are just like, I'm doing this for the money. Um, so for any young trainees listening, um, any advice on, on seminars? I mean, well, other than I think the general advice is just to take advantage of any and all you can, really. Oh, yeah. Like the if you can go to like any. Obviously, with someone who's made it somewhere do it (laughs) yeah um yeah like just learning from one person will never help like no one successful has ever just learned from one person because you're only going to i don't know i I just find that mentality just oh i'll only ever listen to this one person who's ever been successful doing that i mean especially in something as great a variety as professional wrestling um, exactly you want to like cherry pick from every every uh, tree, if you will. I feel like any decent wrestling school has more than one coach. Like even at the Portsmouth school, like even if there's one person teaching the class, they'll ask other people to teach stuff. Yeah. Okay, like, so, opinions oh, and... Yeah. Like we're going to be doing this one thing. Oh, this person's really good at it. They can help teach it. Yeah. Um, Cause like, yeah, no one's good at everything. Like you wouldn't have, let's say ricochet was teaching a class or say he opened his own school he's not going to be like i'm going to teach you how to do i don't know big show stuff surely yeah. you get someone who's big and has that experience like you'd get big show in to teach that yeah. or someone in the class who has the experience doing those kind of matches um yeah so uh, anyone going to a seminar uh i think the typical advice is ears open mouth shut you know, listen, don't just hear what they're telling you, listen to what they're telling you, like understand why they're telling you it and uh, think of genuinely uh, interesting questions. Oh yeah, like there was, like, oh, um, I did a training seminar with Chris Masters, the masterpiece Chris Masters. Yep. And um, he did a Q&A afterwards and some idiot put his hand up and said, why did you get fired from the WWE? Ugh, oh, that's like cringed. the most, yeah. yeah. Oh, also, be yeah, be respectful. Um, yeah, obviously, personal questions or stuff to do with the job or uh, don't don't search for stuff you can put on a dirt sheet. Essentially, yeah, like uh, the Shibata one. Uh, the first question that someone asked during that was. Are you coming back to wrestling? Are you going to wrestle a match again? Why? Why? Like, yeah, like, ask stuff that would apply to you, not gossip. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's like, if you're going to have one question to ask the rest of your life, why would you pick that one? That's also something I see at uh, meet and greets. Uh, I once helped uh jack swagger at meet and greet so i was literally at the table with him the whole time yeah and like every other question was are you coming back to wwe every other time and like he every time we go well if i worked in wwe you wouldn't be able to see me at the portsmouth guild hall (laughs) and all the kids would be like wwe's famous and it was just so weird and that's like every other person's question was are you coming back do you want to go back to the fed I think they understand how it works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's the same when... Um, oh, who else did I help? 
there was someone else I helped. I can't remember. Being as famous as I am, I help everyone. And no, um, I think Evan Bourne was one. Pat got that a lot, and it's just like you know, there are other places people can wrestle. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if you're going to a seminar with an ex WWE guy or like anyone, don't ask for gossip. Be respectful, essentially. Yes, yeah. Um, so what would you say is like, not the most important thing, like what things stand out to you that you've learned from seminars or talking to other wrestlers? Um, the moves don't matter. I yep. think pretty much every trainer I've ever had has <laughs> repeated that at least once. Um it's not about the cool flashy moves it's about telling a story um yes so yeah that's just been implanted in my head now every time you know you put together a match what what story are we telling and that is the one consistent thing throughout all of the training seminars that i've been to i think pretty much every trainer has said moves don't matter show me tell me a story mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah how about you um, I think Shane Strickland, when I was at York Hall and he talked for like half an hour about that sort of thing. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's just, you know, everything in your arsenal should have a purpose. Mm. Like, why do, I don't know, a blue thunderbomb? Because it looks cool? Okay, well, that's one thing. But like, if your thing is like working people's legs or working people's arms why would you do a blue thunder bomb like why do a swanton bomb are you a high flyer or do you want to do it because you think it looks cool um even if you can do it why do something that a million other people can do better than that yeah yeah like find something that you can do and do it well make like, it yours I'd rather, yeah like do a a delayed suplex but if you're doing it better than anyone else then that's going to be better than a shitty swamped on bomb absolutely you know? yeah. um and yeah just little things like that like um yeah i think she truly was talking about things like that and um when you're going over the match when you say oh let's do this think about like why are you doing that um like if you're going to do a really cool sequence where you do a jump kick thing well if he's worked your leg the whole match you shouldn't really be doing that maybe go for it and hurt your leg afterwards and sell it even more but don't just think oh i'll do this because i do this and it's cool yeah um and if your match if you put more thought into your match then your match will come off better in the end definitely um i think goldberg when he came to the school uh, one thing. Oh my goodness! Oh, I forgot about Goldberg. Yeah. Oh, I was never that, but uh, um, I think it was like only like three or four weeks before I joined the school. Goldberg showed up. God. Yeah. Uh, so it was just after the kids, the junior practice ended, and Goldberg came in, and all the kids, the, the first thing they did, rather than be like "Hi, Goldberg" or anything, they reached into their pockets and pulled out their phones. All of them. It was just like their instant reaction was, "Oh, I've seen something." pull out my phone and Goldberg just said every one of you put away your phones yeah. right now um, because anything I tell you won't sink in if you're not listening 
and um, which actually is scientifically true. If you say, for example, went, they did an experiment where they sent a hundred people on a tour and they told half of them to use the phones and the other half not to. And the people who use their phones had a worse recollection the day after when they were asked to recollect the day's events. Yeah, because makes, what sense. You, makes sense. Your brain decides not to remember stuff because it's saved on your phone. Hmm. So Goldberg was like, yeah, if you take a photo of this or record this as a video, it's not going to sink in. Yeah. So put away your phones. And I was like, yes, thank you, Goldberg. Um, yeah, that was bizarre. Um, have you heard the story about Sean? on that day uh i don't believe so no my favorite story is uh so goldberg turns up unannounced he was at the gym across the road just decided to come by walks in all the kids are like oh my gosh it's goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> sean sean is outside the school one of the kids that left the junior class early comes running back and he goes up to sean he's like is goldberg in the in the school and sean just says to him why would Goldberg be at the Portsmouth <laughs> School of Wrestling? And this kid goes, oh, okay, and turns around and walks home. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then Sean turns around, walks into the building, realizes Goldberg is there, and he's like, oh, Goldberg. <laughs> Doesn't get the kid. <laughs> oh, I love that story. Oh, so that kid must hate, yeah. made an enemy for life there, Jesus. Oh, I love that story. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Goldberg just talked things. Yeah. He was just like, enjoy all the time you spend in the ring. If you're going to do stuff, make it look like you want to hurt the person. Because yeah. What... Goldberg does a good, uh, good job of doing that. Yeah. So his exact words were Roman Reigns does a shit spear because he <laughs> goes at a downwards angle. Why would you spear someone downwards? You want to go so he's them. like, yeah, he was like, I was in the NFL. If we want to tackle someone, we didn't tackle them down. We'd tackle them up to take them off the ground, then bring them down. Yeah. And yeah, if you watch a spear, yeah, he goes up and brings them down. Um, and it's just like, yeah, you need to make it look like it's a competition. Um, fight your opponent, but fight with them. Anytime you're in a struggle, it should look like a struggle, not two people working together. Um, yeah, he's big into the illusion of a fight rather than a match. Yeah, well, I think he's uh, become quite a big fan of MMA now. I think uh, they've had him on several MMA like, like talk shows or whatever. So um, I think he's a big fan of that as well, which probably uh, helps. Yep. Um, yeah, and that was another thing. Is like, any questions? And the kid goes... Are you going to go to WWE again? And he was like, ugh. <laughs> and he, I think he said something like, ugh, you Japan's cool, but I don't know about any of that. Yeah. Um, so that kind of takes us along nicely to, um, not seminars so much, but when you've met a professional wrestler who's been in the big leagues, the WWEs, the TNAs, the Ring of Honors. Mm -hmm. um, just like brief chances you've had to, because, you know, you'll be on a show with them or you'll be helping out at a show and they'll be work yeah. walking around backstage. And of course, you've always got that. Like, you don't want to bother them, but you still want to get their opinion on something or ask for advice. Yes. 
um, yeah, for uh, any trainees, what do you think the uh, protocol is for that? Um, don't immediately go into a question. Like, don't make it seem like you're using that person to learn stuff. Like, um, befriend them first. Yeah. Make small talk. Ask them how they are and things like that. Because, you know, they're just a normal person. Yeah, and typically they're on the road and been traveling quite a bit. Um, they're probably quite tired. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, don't just go up and say, I have this question kind of thing. Like, if you're making small talk, like, introduce yourself. Talk to them, like, befriend them. Not like, oh, we're best mates kind of thing. Just, like, ask them how they are, this and that. And then just say, like, have you got time for me to ask you a question? Um, I think every time I've asked someone a question, it's been like, I was fortunate though that I at the time was doing um for a brief time was doing the backstage interviews at Ref Pro. Yeah. So like they'd have to interact with me and things like that. And then when I was there, I could ask them a couple of questions. Mm. So like Colt Cabana, I got to ask a couple of things. Um, yeah. Just make it be genuine as well. Um yeah. Have you had a time where you've asked a wrestler a question that you really want an answer to um it was one of the uh live in southampton shows uh pack was on and mm-hmm. um it was uh, i think two or three weeks before my first match yeah um so i was just like um he was really busy so i, I try and made it as quick as possible but i was like hey i'm debuting in the next couple of weeks any advice you can give me whatsoever on my first match, you know, don't feel obligated, but if there's anything you think might help me out, please let me know. And he was like, um, I won't try and do his accent, but he was like, oh, <laughs> try, try and stand out as much as possible. You know, all wrestlers today, they all look the same. So the first, you know, thing people are going to see you the second you walk out, out from the curtain, you want to look different. And what did I do? I debuted in black trunks, black <laughs> knee pads, and black boots, looking as generic yeah. as the creative wrestler, like before you make any changes <laughs> to them on a video game. So, exactly. Uh, yeah, really paid attention to his advice. Yeah. Um, I can't say I did the did anything different. I came out in plain black tights. Yeah, but I, I, yeah. I always felt like the need to earn earn fancy trunks and earn yes you know like uh like the young lions do um i don't know if i came out of a fully customized ring attire that costs hundreds of pounds like uh, for my first yeah. match, I, I feel that would be kind of like a bit cheeky i don't know that's just yeah me. it i no, i completely get that it's like who do you think you are kind of thing this is your first match and you're trying to make it out like you're the biggest star but in a way that's what you should do because it's wrestling and you want people to think you're a big star yeah um, and like the promoter would be like who's this guy think he is making himself seem like a big star and it's like that's what you want though you want your wrestlers to look like big star it's it's the weird paradox that is professional wrestling yeah like it's so juxtaposed like you have to appear like you're the biggest star in the world but you can't do it until you've done a certain number of things yeah yeah but like that shouldn't matter because the audience don't know that. I think us as wrestlers look at things as we do from the inside. People on the outside don't know. Like 
no one knows that was your first match ever. No. Like, as far as they're aware, you could have been like, I don't know, the biggest star in Italy coming over. <laughs> you know? Like, they yeah. don't know. Because they just don't know. But, like, us working in it are like, oh, we know this and this and this. But I think we need to remember that we know more than the crowd. So we can take liberties with things like that. Yeah. Um, I think that is getting lost in wrestling now. So, yeah, you could have come out with, like, the coolest ring jacket and fancy tights and stuff. And it would have been fine, I think, with the fans. But, like, you are concerned about what the other wrestlers are thinking. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which I don't know how much that should play a part. Um, but in the same vein, I do it. So I can't really talk. Um, but I will, because that's what podcasts do. <laughs> um, okay, so how about you? Any interactions with wrestlers that you really took their advice on board? Yeah, there was one wrestler who's uh, really renowned for their promos. And I was curious as to like, you know, how do you get really good at promos? Because I completely suck. So he was coming backstage for an interview, a uh, post-match thing. And I was like, look, your post-match promos and your like just general interview is always fantastic. Do you write these down beforehand? And he just said to me, like, whenever you start any sort of skill, your techniques are different to the beginning. So when he was starting out, he would write his promos like a script. What you would do is like sort of improvise them then write down a rough script of what he said, and then you just work on it and work on it and work on it until oh, okay. he had to give the promo. Yeah. And then he says that after a while, like any sort of skill, it becomes second nature, and then he can just whip out promos. Hmm. So it's sort of that thing that when I think, uh, if you have a promo coming up, you know, improvise it and then try to write down what you remember and that stuff will be the stuff that matters. And then if there's any lines you want to improve, you can improve it from there. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I mean, that doesn't help. Uh, well, it does help me, but like, it doesn't help when you have like one of those, Oh, cut a promo right now. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those are still daunting as hell. Um, I think a lot of the stuff I've learned is actually from interviews with wrestlers as well. Um, I watch a lot of high spot stuff, as I've said here, but there oh, are mean like um, shoot interviews. Um, yeah, I think when you say like, I hate to say shoot interviews because yeah, it, it sounds, sounds like dirty. I'm, yeah, it's a dirty. Yeah, word, like yeah. I'm trying to find gossip, but it's not yeah. like the Kevin Steen show, where he just literally interviews wrestlers about their journey and what they want to give advice on. Yeah, I find helps a lot, and um, that developmentally speaking, one helps because it's like from that I've learned. Trent Beretta got signed to WWE purely because of his back body drop. Really? Because the guys, what they would do at um, tra tryouts, or if you're working extras, they put you in the ring, and they'd want you to do a match. They really look out for back body drops. Like, how well can you do those? Can you give them or take them? And apparently he took, like, a really good one, and, like, one of the guys was like, we need to sign him because he can do that really well. Um, yeah. But you can also get on DVD. Um, I think they're on high spots as well, like training with shows where it's like two hours with these wrestlers going over seminars. They just filmed seminars. And like uh, Christopher Daniels has one, Kenny Omega has one, Billy Gunn, Matt Hardy. And it's like, you know, watch these. 
and listen to their advice. And I've learned a lot through them as well, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you learn that, you know, back body. If you're going to try out for the WWE guys, practice your back body drop because even though no one uses those anymore, but like yeah. AJ Styles, his first appearance in WWE, the Royal Rumble, first thing he does is take a back body drop, didn't he? He takes a beautiful back body drop as well. He like flails his arms and yeah, yeah. I always I can just imagine in my head like the way he sells it as well once he like sits up and gives a great big expression on his face as well. Exactly. So like he knew when he's going out there, like this is my first impression to the office. I'm gonna make him know that I can do the best bat body drop because I know that's what they like. Um, mm. So yeah, if you're gonna have a tryout, do that move. Um, yeah, things like that. I feel like you can learn a lot from not. Like I don't watch shoot interviews for gossip. I watch it because I'm trying to learn about yeah. wrestling. Um, yeah. And also to hear yeah, hilarious that... road stories, which are always entertaining. Yes, those are always good. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think like what else. Like the Mal Sanders and Steve Gray ones are great because, like I say, you learn a lot about old things that no one uses anymore and therefore you can use them and stand out. Um, to be honest, when I meet wrestlers, I tend to ask them questions, not necessarily, I hate, I don't hate the term, but like to get their guard down, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So like when I met Sonada, I knew he played bass. So I was like, hey, dude, are you still playing bass? And then we talked about music for a bit, talked about bands we like. And then from there, you can go, hey, like you did with uh, Neville, like, hey, I've got a match coming up. Have you got advice sort of thing? Yeah. Um. Yeah, you think he said something like "keep it simple." And did you like have a ten out of ten simple match as opposed to a two out of ten? Oh, we made this match complicated. Mm. And I, that's what I go for in all my matches now. I think like anytime I'm planning a match, I'm like, let's just keep it simple and make it solid. Yeah, because then we'll both look good, as opposed to let's try this really complicated thing and look like fools in the ring when we get better and we can do the complicated stuff as well as the simple stuff, then we can do that. But until then let's stick to shoulder tackles and drop downs. Yeah. Um, and if you watch new Japan guys, like I watched the three minute high spot, which ended in a shoulder tackle and I got the biggest reaction and they did nothing except attempt stuff. And then it ended in a shoulder. And it's like, cause it was so solid that worked better than anything else he could have done. Yeah. Well, it goes back to, you know, the moves don't matter. The story matters. Yeah. Why, um, do, a sh why do a, as you say, a 630 corkscrew when you can do a shoulder tackle and get an even bigger ovation? Yeah, like he could have done like a tilt the world spinning bulldog or whatever, but no, a shoulder, like what is the, when I, like you say, with the moves, like what is the point in this move? I'm trying to hurt them. Well, if I could hurt him with a shoulder tackle as much as I could do with a spinning tilt the world bulldog, like the point, the finish goal is to get them on the mat, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, to pin them. So how I get to that doesn't matter because the goal is what matters. Um, yeah. Uh, i try to think what other seminars because I've done, I feel like I've done so many. Um there's a speedball Mike Bailey one, which I remember was good, but I was watching that one. I didn't train on that one. Mm. Mouse Sanders, Steve Gray. 
There's Rhino. There's Goldberg. Um, oh, Dean. Dean oh, Ayers. Yeah. yeah, that was... Um, just did uh, promos with us, and that was it. I really enjoyed that. that we did one on cause... promos, and then one on promos and ring entrances. Yeah. Which... Um, I'm not a fan of scripted ring entrances. Uh, but yeah, the promo stuff, yeah. How did you find that? Well, it was really the first time we'd heavily, heavily focused on promos. So, um, yeah, I love cutting a good promo. Um, I know a lot of guys don't, but I do love, like, the... Uh, that's the best way to describe it. Like, you're thinking on your feet, essentially. Um mm -hmm. It's like uh, one of the drills, yeah, improvisation. Um, one of the drills Andy would get us to do um, that I really enjoyed was the run the ropes for 30 seconds and do a 30 second promo. Because <laughs> um, you're using a bit of everything, you're controlling your breathing, but also as you're running the ropes on that first 30 seconds, you're kind of, okay, putting together the promo whilst you're doing it, you're thinking of head. And uh, yeah, 30 seconds is a lot longer than most people realize until you're you're cutting a promo yeah and again go back to like japan and things that is a thing you do after your matches you go and you sit down and you have to cut a promo about the match you've just had so you have the time from the match ending to you going backstage to decide what you're going to think about and a lot of times it is improv yeah but then it feels genuine doesn't it yeah absolutely and it helps you get invested because it's like this yeah uh, it is funny when they're like, oh, cut a promo on the ropes. And it's like, oh, man, those ropes can really go suck one, can't they? <laughs> oh. oh, good job. Yeah. You got, um, yeah. It helps to be uh, just like completely out of the blue, given a completely random subject that you have to think on your feet to, to talk about. Have you been watching... Uh... Eddie Kingston on uh, being the elite. No, why was he? They do this thing every now and then where someone will be like, oh, we've got this muffin. Let's go find Eddie Kingston and see if he can cut a promo on this. <laughs> and he cuts like the best promos on it. Like one time they gave does. him a pumpkin and they were like, cut a promo on this pumpkin. And then it was like, well, what can you say? And he just, he cut a promo where he started talking about, well, pumpkin represents Halloween. I hated Halloween because I lived poor. And all the rich kids got to, and it was just like a fantastic promo about himself that he worked this pumpkin into himself. <laughs> it's like, I would never have thought of that. And I guess it is like, yeah, just like any kind of skill once you use practice thing. And like a lot of people, I feel like, didn't go to the Dean Ice seminar because they're like, oh, promos. Uh, I'm not good at that. So I won't do it. But so like, yeah. that's why you go to the seminar. That's the only way you learn. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it goes back to like, you know, if you're a student and you're learning, like go to as many seminars. There's one seminar which I wish I could have gone to, which was the Kevin Kelly one, where he talked about wrestling for cameras and things like that. This was before Strong Style UK. Yeah. Um, I wasn't invited to that one, so I'm really sad about that. Um, but yeah, he, he did like a I don't think he was in like a paid thing. It was just he was there. So it was like, oh, let's go do that. Three hours about, you know, working in front of cameras mm. before 
I think it was before Strong Style UK. Either no, no, sorry. I think it was before the Rev Pro TV tapings. Because they were like, oh, we're going to be doing this thing. So this is what it's like working in front of cameras. Um, yeah. So that's one I wish I could have gone to. That and uh, Jonathan Gresham. Uh, he... The, there was some mix-up with the dates. So they never posted that the seminar was happening. So only three people turned up. Mm. And I wish I could have learned from Jonathan Gresham because he's like, in terms of technical wrestling, one of the best in the world. Like if him and Zack Sabre Jr. could have a match, the, yeah. Zack Sabre Jr. is another one, actually. I'd love to learn from him. Um, have you got any like guys that you think's like realistic that you could learn from that you want to? Literally anyone. Um, <laughs> no, seriously. Um, I think if they're experienced and more experienced than me, which is going to be 99.9% .9 of wrestlers, um, I want to learn from them. You know, what, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. Uh, yeah. As you, it goes back to what we were saying at start, you want variety uh, in what you learn. You don't want to just learn from the same kind of guys you want guys who have worked in Mexico, guys who have worked in Japan, guys who have worked in Europe, guys who have yep. worked in the US for big promotions, small promotions. We've done Lucha Libre in the middle of a highway. One. <laughs> yeah, absolutely everyone. Managers, uh, interviewers, you know, not just wrestlers as well. Uh, guys who have done booking. Yeah, just literally everyone. I want as yeah. much experience as possible. And also I've got a terrible memory. So the more people I speak to, the more likely something will stick. <laughs> so, but like, yeah. have, you, have you got any like people who say, like, oh, if I could learn from this person about this type of thing, I feel like that could help me a lot. I'd say probably like a Daniel Bryan or a Shawn Michaels or somebody who's just an all around, who's talented in so many different areas of wrestling. Um, yeah, who's done a bit of everything, who's worked pretty much everywhere. Uh, yeah, I suppose Daniel Bryan would probably be the absolute best for, for somebody who's worked in big promotions, small promotions, has worked every single style you can think of. Yeah. Yeah, I think he'd probably be the best. Nice. And a great promo as well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, how about you? Um... He's such a good tag team wrestler. I'd love you, you cut out for a second there. Who? Uh, I'd love to learn from Carl Anderson. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I'd love to have a seminar about tag team wrestling with him because hmm. he's tag teamed with so many people. Um, and Rocky Romero, actually. I'd love to learn from Rocky Romero about tag team wrestling because they're two guys who have had like tag team championship runs with different partners. Uh, and yeah, it's just the sort of thing that isn't taught that much. Like it's just sort of oh, like you learn to be a singles not. wrestler. Yeah. Oh, you just two singles wrestlers. You could be a tag. Um, but yeah, Rocky Romero. He's been with like, Trent Beretta, uh, Kozlov. Uh, oh, he was in the Pitbulls. Yeah, he's done like a bunch of different things, and he's such a good tag team wrestler. That's like what was his I want to learn that skill. Partner in the Pitbulls, uh, Rocky Romero and. 
I actually don't remember. I have a Ring of Honor DVD here with me. Um, it's going to annoy me because they uh, teamed up with Homicide, I remember. And Loki as well, I think, in Ring of Honor. Yeah. Uh, Davey Richards, he's tag teamed with. Uh, Ricky Ring Reyes, Honor. that was it. Yes. Yeah. Lovely, isn't it? And he's done so many tournaments. It's like, yeah, I just love to learn how to be a better tag team wrestler, how to structure tag team matches, how to do a great, you know, um, babyface comeback in a tag team match from him. And he did do like a week's worth of training once with a Fref Pro. Yeah, I seem to remember somebody saying that. Yeah. yeah, he came over and he just lived in Portsmouth for like a bit and gave like a week's worth of thing. I'm like, I that actually out of all of them, I am so sad I missed that. Um, because he's done like him, like not people know, not a lot of people know that he trained in the New Japan dojo with Daniel Bryan, the original US dojo yeah. in like 2003. And he's done so much, and he's just one of those underrated wrestlers who I feel like you know his knowledge needs to be documented somewhere. Um, and I'd love to, yeah, learn from him. So anytime he comes down, uh, I talk to him and I try to learn from him. And he's such a nice guy as well. Cool. Yeah. Um, shall we round it up there? Because I'm absolutely bursting for pee. Yep. Um, anything else you want to go over? I feel like once this episode ends, I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, this happened. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, this happened. Always. Every every podcast episode we do, I always think of something. Oh, I should have said that on the podcast. Uh, yeah. Nope. But is there anything you're Twitch streaming at the moment? When? Oh my! Because my Steam crashed. Uh, my version oh, of Tomb Raider that I downloaded was broken. Mm. Oh, that was so annoying. So I had to go to like the Tomb Runner group and be like, "Please help me." And <laughs> uh, thankfully they did. Um, I'm still streaming on Twitch at TaylorMade Aiden Taylor, which is funny because. Uh, when I raid people's channels and that, half of them call me Taylor, half of them call me TaylorMade Aiden Taylor, and like one or two of them call me Aiden. And it's gotten to the point where I'm not socializing with anyone outside of Twitch at the moment. When I went to the pharmacy, someone asked me, what's the name? And I was like, TaylorMade Aiden Oh, no. <laughs> I gave my gimmick name and I hated myself for it. I felt mm. like such a mark. Um, but yeah, I stream... Like Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I speedrun Tomb Raider. I'm hoping to get less than an hour soon. My record at the moment is one hour 11. I'm now 23rd in the world. Whoop, whoop. Um, yeah, I'm at Twitter at Aiden, the Aiden Taylor. I post witty stuff every now and then. Actually, no, I don't, but follow me anyway because it would be cool. cool. And how about you, sir? Um, just the usual Benjamin Black wrestler on Instagram and Benjamin Black PW on Twitter. And I try and post as much as I can. Oh, and we just got awesome new uh, podcast art from uh, Tiff. So um, I posted it on my Instagram page. Go and check it out. And there's a link to her Facebook and Instagram on there as well. So go and check out her artwork very kindly. She's done yeah. that for us and it looks great. And um, Kenneth Halfpenny, our number one guest, I want to say yeah <laughs> um Best he rating. has started twitching he is now streaming he's practicing speed running banjo and kazooie oh yeah yeah 
which uh, if you want to follow him, it's at Ken Half, K-E-N-H-A-L-F. And yeah, he's doing that uh, a couple times a week. And uh, the other day he streamed Mario Party 2 from his N64. Awesome. And yeah, if, uh, I'm hoping to get him to 50 so he can be affiliate soon too. Cool. So anybody listening, go and check him out. Yeah. Cool. Um, right. Could we tease what we've got coming up for the show? Or should we just uh, leave it at that as a tease? In case it doesn't happen. Let's... Exactly. Yeah. Something big might happen, but also don't hate us if it doesn't. Well, if we don't say what it is, then no one can blame us. We yes. can say we up, true. and then they don't know what it is. And then we could be like, oh, we have another episode with us. Hooray. Yay. That's the special thing. Cool. Yeah. So right, let's we'll just leave it on that. Then. We are working on this. Pod- well, you are working on this podcast. Yes. You are putting work in to Very make exciting. it the best it can. Um, so, uh, what have you got planned for food for the rest of the day? That's a big question. I'm trying to plan my cheat day for tomorrow. I haven't really thought about what I'm going to eat for the rest of the day, but my cheat day is tomorrow. I really want cheesecake. Oh, That's all I know. Nice. How about you? Uh, I'm going to have Japanese tonight. My local Japanese has delivery. And uh, I get like katsu and then like a bunch of side dishes as well. Nice. So good. So good. Katsu curry is the best. Well, enjoy, my friend, and uh, I'll speak to you very, very soon. Yeah, take care, everyone. Take care, man.